Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You can't afford not to call me. I've got a lock of the year. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. Hope to left. Calhoun retreats, still going back, and that is over his head. Kepler scores. Polanco will score. Another big hit for Marwin Gonzalez. Drive to right center field. It's down for a hit. It'll run to the wall. It'll clear the bases. Polanco to third, and the Twins have retaken the lead. Fastball got it. These two teams have played each other for nearly 50 years, and the Minnesota Twins, for the first time, have swept a four-game series. That's actually that's an amazing stat. First time they've ever swept the Rangers in 50 years in a four-game series? I mean, I, I guess yep. I don't know how many times they've played a four-game series against each other. Probably not that much, four right? Four-game series sweeps are super rare. I mean, four-game series alone are rare in and of themselves, but a four-game series sweep? You yeah, almost it, never hear that. It might be one of those where, like, you say the stat... 50 years, and they've. this is the first time ever, and they've played like three, four-game series against each other, ever. I will I say say this. The, the Rangers seem to be very interested in being swept for those four games. <laughs> That's <laughs> as uninspired a baseball as I think I have seen in a long time. From a team that, by the way, is not exactly the Tigers or the Orioles. No, they're like I think they were 500 team. going into that game yeah. for that series, right? They're not a train wreck. But did you see three of those four games, I think, at least? I think Friday was actually pretty good. But three of the four, Texas was like, oh, no, no, no. We'll just run and down. I've never seen a team that's actually decent in a series like that run the bases that stupidly. Yeah. Well, you know what? You know who You know who should have been watching that all weekend? And the, and the Twins can turn it around and say, yeah, see what it feels like? The Indians. Because the Indians are out there grinding against the Yankees. Held their own in that series. Yep. The Indians, they split or take three or four from the split. Yankees. Two, two. So they, they're fighting with the Yankees. Just, all right, let's, let's go out there and let's put up some runs and see what happens. And, uh, you know, the Rangers are going to take at least one from the Twins, right? No. Yeah. But that's what it was like watching the, that's the other way around. That's what's been happening since June 3rd. Yeah. Yes. And so to, I think it was, I can't remember which one of you guys in our email thread before the show asked the if question. If it was a good point, it was me. Clearly wrong. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> a bold stance. You know what? Let's fight. Let's box. We'll, we'll dive into that again as well. But so the question was, do you feel any differently about the Twins after a sweep over Texas? And my answer is absolutely. It's not only the sweep against the Rangers. Look at the schedule the next two weeks. The Twins play three against Chicago, three against Detroit, three against Chicago, and then four against Detroit. The division is over. <laughs> Don't do no, that. no, not the again. Six games left against Clay. No. <laughs> Last time no, I did that. Don't. Things Stop. Dramatically turned for the worst. The division is a wrap when after sweeping oh, Texas. When they were 40 and 18, I what said those doing? exact words. When they were 40 and 18, I said, it's a wrap. Twins win the division. DOA. The Indians are DOA. I'm announcing their time of death. Everything. And it did not go well after that, Phil. Okay, just to be clear, are you saying this? Are you still like in the driver's seat of the yeah, Bumble no, Bus? Breaks or are cut. Okay. I'm just saying. We maybe don't need to tempt fate anymore. <laughs> Thank you, Rami. Than we already have. Oh, my God. You're the voice of reason. <laughs> What's happened this here? This is a first. Yeah, Rami Maklov, the voice now, you of reason. What? You're exactly right. Judd and Jonathan are right. Screw it. This thing's over. Twins are winning the division, baby. <laughs> 
Sorry, I had a momentary lapse of insanity there. Well, Jonathan, we should have known it would get back on track very quickly. <laughs> it was nice while it lasted. It was. Sanity. Sanity left the room. Just walked right out. But the one thing you can guarantee with this Twins team, so far anyways, if if, if, if we're to buy into the first you know 100-plus games, they beat bad teams. Yes. yes. They make bad teams pay the price. Yeah, this is why... And they're playing bad teams for the next two weeks. So, okay, that's great. But but in in my opinion, I feel the exact same as I did about the Twins previously because I know that they can beat the, those teams. They take bad pitching, and as Patrick said, I think back in May, Phil, they just pummel it. Like if you put an average to, to worse, and God knows there's a lot of these pitchers out there, if you put that type of pitcher on the mound against them, the Twins are going to score, let's say, 13 runs. They're just going to. So... The way I feel about the Twins has not changed, though, because I still want to see what happens when they get back into playing those six games against Cleveland or the playoffs. And then my question is this. The offense, I think, still can score. I really do. Now, they might not score 13 runs in those games, but let's let's say they score eight or seven or something. The question comes back to, can your pitching in those games, especially your starters right now, especially the guy who two starts ago when he gave up nine earned runs, I said, everybody just shut up. He'll be absolutely fine. Can that pitching come back and at least contain those lineups? The Braves, the Yankees, right? Cleveland, which is a substantially better offensive team than they were to start the season. Can your pitching hold those teams in check to win, let's say, Eight to six. Let's see the beauty. The beauty of of a baseball playoff series, whether it's five or seven games. So we sit here and say they crush bad teams, but look at their record against the good teams. And I don't have it in front of me, but if you were to include the Cleveland series where you lost three out of four, you lost two or three to Atlanta, it's, they're probably I think they're right around five hundred against the best teams that they've played. And we look at that and say, well, they crush the bad teams, but they're man, they're only like five hundred against the best teams in baseball. Okay, well. You don't have to sweep a seven-game series against those teams in October. No one's holding your feet to the fire saying, and if you don't beat the Astros four straight in October, you got to beat them four out of no, seven. No, but you need you need Brios to be sharp, right? Yes. That's a starting point. To beat the Astros, I'm you need wor- Brios to be I'm sharp. very worried right now. I'm getting there. They just swept the, they just swept the Rangers. No, but just, about Brios yeah, in Brios. particular. You started this. Can we let the, the sweep you. of the Rangers breathe for a second before we freak out about Jose Barrios? No, because I'm making judgments every day. Do you think Falvey and Levine, like, high-fived? They're like, yeah, we swept the Rangers and Barrios stunk and that's okay. Let's let it no, breathe. No, they're, no, they're, no, they're, they're saying, saying, my God, what can we do to get it back on track? No, no, no. They're, what they're saying is, this is what's happening. The Falvey, they're up in their uh, sweet level. They're saying, we swept the Rangers. Wasn't that awesome? All right, high fives all around. Okay, that's great. Mm-hmm. Burritos. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. They just, they just transition. So they, they've got a button bar? A target <laughs> field? <laughs> they've got a button bar that's like, yes, no, yes, no. <laughs> like, Dave St. Peter, come here. Check out our button bar. Don't you guys think that unless there's something that if there if there's something you know if he if he tore his partially tore his UCL or something like his elbow I mean that's what I'm not calling so nobody even said that oh, hold on oh, why do you even gotta tempt those guys <laughs> I mean, no. let's let the wind let's yeah, let the series sweep <laughs> breathe yeah I mean you know, I mean, partially no, tore no, I mean if he's dead I'm, I'm saying I'm saying he's negative over here he every single year is terrible in August. And so, unless there's some underlying issue that's that, that's causing this putrid August performance to be different than the other putrid August performances, he just wears out in August. My theory is he just wears out in August. He's a workout freak. He's he's running miles a day and he's doing all these bullpen sessions, pulling right? trucks and flipping tires and yeah, he's like uh like one of those he's in those strongman competitions yeah. on like he's like. What's that guy's name? That Casimir guy from those ESPN two reruns in the nineties. Or Magnus for Magnus for Magnuson. Yeah, loved Magnus for Magnuson. So can't you just shut him down for like two weeks? Say, listen, well, hey, we just swept Texas. The division's over, and we're playing the the Tigers a hundred times from this point forward. If you if 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 we think it's not while well, his elbow is bleeped and it's he just wears down in August because that's been the story of his career. Can't you just shut him down for two weeks like they did with Pineda or like they did with Sam Dyson before he gave up another? 
run yesterday. Was it yesterday? You did give up a run yesterday, yes. Um, so and just like, hey, take it easy for two weeks. Just get your arm back on track, and we'll fire you back up in September sometime. That question actually was broached by a very smart person. I forget his name. On uh, the Twin Show today. Real yeah. smart guy, Rami, right? Must have been Manny Hill. Jed Zolgan. Yeah. In that collection. Yeah. And um, I said, I can see the problem with that, but I'd do it. I'd skip a start at least. I mean, he is... The Atlanta game, I told everybody, just calm down. He gave up nine runs. He looked bad. Atlanta's really good, and he just had a bad game. And I was all for And you you brought brought up after that start immediately the August stats. Mm-hmm. And I still was like, just calm. Let, let's calm down. The Cleveland game... The velocity was off. He struggled early, came back, and, and was okay. And I said, okay, that's fine. It concerns me that the velocity's down, but he came back and pitched pr- uh, pretty well. It's not, it's not like he's throwing 87, okay? Right, but then, but right, but I'm saying after Cleveland, I felt sort of justified mm-hmm. in being like, the Atlanta game's a blip. Just don't be concerned about it. And then I <clears throat> was on my bar stool at Bunnies on Saturday. Shocking, I know. And drinking my provider and then i got one provider and then two and by three i thought i was seeing burritos completely melt down oh because i was yeah that wasn't the beer yeah that exactly was just happening so the question was posed on the twin show today and rami your response i get where you're coming from but i need a nice cushiony lead before i go and do something like that because not too long ago i was saying divisions wrapped up you should be gearing now for the playoffs whatever Rest you're going to give out, whatever roster moves you're going to make, they should all be geared towards getting you ready for October. But the reality of things have changed, and you have the Indians hot on your tail right now, and I don't know that you can afford to sit down Jose Barrios because while, yes, he's not the Jose Barrios that that we saw earlier in the season, he's still at whatever percentage he's at. Let's say we're getting 70% of Jose Uh, Barrios. Less than that right now. I'll take whatever we're getting over whoever the replacement would be. And see, I look at it more as, okay, you've got, what, five, six weeks left in the regular season. If sitting him for two weeks makes him the 100% Jose Barrios that we've grown accustomed to in the months of April, May, and June, and July, I'd rather him sit out this 13-game stretch against some of the worst teams in, well, for sure the Tigers, one of the worst teams in baseball. Uh, The White Sox are a little bit more feisty, but you should win 10 of these next 13 games. I think anything less than 10 wins in the next, even without Jose Barrios, you can win 9 or 10 of these games. So if you can go like 9-4 and or 10-3 and over this stretch without Jose Barrios, because your bats are just going to bludgeon these pitchers from the poor Guardy, Guardy and Steve Little. I told you they should just. I know he's have, making, have an extra case lot, ready after just, these games. Just give the poor guy a break and fire him. But wouldn't you, wouldn't you rather try to get him back as close to 100% as possible during this stretch right now than have him go out there at 60% if he's rocking a dead arm right now and maybe he gets shelled a couple more times? You know? Like, pitching, that's kind of where I'm at with but it. But pitching through a dead arm doesn't mean that it's going to stay a dead arm. Most pitchers, at some point in the season will have a span where their arm isn't feeling that great. And most guys pitch through it, and whatever treatment or whatever they have to do on the side is part of their their routine or their program, and then they get back into form. Justin Verlander has has a dead arm at points. Everybody has a dead arm at some point in the season. It's not always rest that you use to get them back on track because you can't always afford to rest these guys, especially when you're in a tight race. I need every win I can get right now, and i got to look at today. If I'm Rocco mm-hmm. Baldelli, and I got to get away, I got got to get every win I can get. I'd skip a start. I'd skip. I'd skip a start because if we're going to delve into the conversation about playoffs, and I understand in baseball, pitching can sway things, and so you can play a team where you say, "Oh man, it's going to be really tough, and we can't win," and you do. But if you're going to tell me that Barrios is going to continue on this track, I can't paint you a picture where I can win a playoff series. Mm-hmm. Like I need, I need the Barrios game. If it's not a win, to be a game I could have at least won and not be. And this now, two two of the three starts are just are disasters. And you can tell something's wrong. Like, this doesn't strike me as... Uh, the, the reason why I told people to back off on the Braves game was it was, to me, a one-off. And he didn't look right, but you're going to have those games. But then when it's two times and three starts, and the past three starts have not been great, I get worried. I would... I will roll the dice against the Tigers uh, after the White Sox leave town 
in the weekend series, I will roll the dice and go with a spot starter or something. The Tigers are terrible to get Barrios at least one game off or one start off. Maybe they could. Uh, maybe they could get three innings out of Gratterall in a spot start. Give him his major league debut. Oh. And throw in a hundred and three. Is that, is that he, so he's 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 up to like 100, 203, Am I see? Okay. Yes, you um, are correct. He. So this this bullpen, yeah they they made two decent moves at the deadline. Could have either added a third top reliever or a starter would have been great. But if Gratterall clicks upon first being called up, and, and it's sometimes guys get called up and they get shelled right away, and they need more time. Like Barrios got shelled right away when he got called up and needed another. Real quick, um, just a piece of breaking news. Expected Nelson Cruz activated off the IL. Zach Littell. That's like getting a starting pitcher. Option guy, to make room on the roster. There it is. But like, if Gratterall comes up and he clicks in the way that other guys have clicked, you, you see, you saw it with like, like Michael Walker got called up 10 years ago for your beloved Cardinals, Rami Makhlouf. I love those Cardinals. Yeah. Mm. Um, if he clicks Great and all chance. of a sudden you got a dude throwing 102 miles an hour out of your bullpen, throwing two innings at a time. Yep. I feel amazing after the fifth or sixth inning with Taylor Rogers, Gratterall, Dyson's been better, uh, Romo's been good, Trevor May probably need him to be your fourth or fifth guy, but just uh, just need five innings out of Brios. And you have Don't to need seven. And you have to look at it relative to bullpens around Major League Baseball, which are just a dumpster fire across this league. You know what I mean? So every time you upgrade your bullpen. You're get you basically leapfrogging another team's bullpen. I got a question for both you, you guys on bullpens. Are we getting close to there being another shift change to how how we use starters? Like this bullpen thing, I get the idea, right? In fact, I think Casey start started it when they won the World Series. The Yankees have replicated it as well, so I get it. But you know, Phil, we we used to t- talk about KC could basically go. The starter could go five, and then they would shut teams uh, down completely, mm-hmm. opponents down completely. But are we getting to a point now where this assumption that I'm just going to go to the bullpen is jumping the shark a bit? Because we are now seeing bullpens that are overtaxed. The pitchers aren't that good. Like they're not all throwing smoke. No, they're. It. I feel like we, we need to at least correct a little bit back towards. You gotta leave your starter in to give your team a chance a little bit. If not, I'm not trying to go Bert here and say nine, but let's say seven for sure. Yeah, if you can, because what happens is it's it's not like okay in the last five or six years since the Royals won the World Series with that strategy, teams teams said, oh, we should do that too. But it's not like when 15 teams decide to adopt that strategy, it's not like. It's not like a linear amount of great relievers go, you know, oh, well, all right. of a sudden there's just like every team just has four amazing relievers. Right. No, teams are putting guys in places that they think they're going to succeed in, but really they're not. So, you know, sports can be cyclical. You know, at some point it just makes sense to have a, a much better starting rotation than it might just be easier to find three guys who go seven innings on a regular basis. There just I, aren't enough arms in the world to sustain what teams have been doing with their bullpens for a what is what is it now? Seven, eight years since the the invention or the age of bullpenning began. Yeah, there and just aren't enough arms to hold up to that. And then what happens is too, because everything is relative to a league average, right? You can say, well, the relievers are all throwing harder, and they're all right. So that that means that the average reliever that bar continues to go up. So right now, you can look at your bullpen and you can say, hey, whew, Trevor May, look at these guys striking out a batter per inning. This is great. Twins relievers never used to do that, right? Okay, but the average bullpen strikeout rate is like more than a strikeout per inning. So right. you could you could be moving up with it's like bullpen inflation, right? right. Oh, this is great. So much better than 5 years ago. Yeah, but everyone is is hunting for strikeouts. I looked up real quick to Rami's point that every bullpen is garbage this year. So, uh 30 bullpens in Major League Baseball. How many would you guys guess have ERAs under 4? Out of thirty, so, so bullpen total bullpen ERAs under four as a as oh, a staff. Well, it's not going to be many. I'm going to say six. I'll say fewer. I'll say three. It's five, and only one under three and a half. So it's Indians have the best bullpen in baseball. Uh, three point three. But their ERA. starters go deep. That's the difference. Yeah, they. Uh, yeah, they. They actually have fewer bullpen innings than any team in baseball. <laughs> yeah, so as they're well. being, yeah, they're being smart about it. It's Indians, Rays, Cardinals, Astros, Giants, and the Twins are thirteenth on this list. So, the, so you look and say, "Wow, the Twins bullpen, what a disaster!" Well, it's actually top half of the league ERA wise, but that doesn't mean it's good enough to win a playoff series. Just to be clear, 
It's not as bad as everyone probably thinks. And Washington's, check that theirs out. I think they're still last. They're god awful. They were six plus last time I looked. Six six oh nine. <laughs> Orioles are six forty. Well, the Orioles don't even care. It's amazing. Washington is actually competitive, but they're striking out a batter per inning. Yeah, good for them. <laughs> <laughs> they're throwing heat, man. So Judd was at U.S. Bank Stadium last night uh, and did not go home. Actually, he was there until like five o'clock in the morning, according to was, tweets and articles. I was up till three writing Vikings tidbits. So let's get Judd's observations, having been at the Vikings second preseason game. When we come back here, it's Mackie and Jeb with Rami back at full strength on the all-new Score North and the Score North mobile app. And also, we're going to be live at the State Fair between noon and 6 every single day uh, starting Thursday. You can come if you want to tell us that we're terrible, if you want to come and uh, you want to live the claw life with Rami and I. Can we drink? Come hang out. Can we drink while we're working? We can maybe clank some claws. We'll, right. see. we'll see what happens. All right. See what happens on oh, Thursday. Oh, sure. Claws. Yeah, right. Yeah. None of that none of that beer garbage. Um, <laughs> I just want to gonna... make clear. I like beer, too. People are like, I like beer. I can drink both. It's okay. It's America. Fence straddler. <laughs> you don't have to pick team beer or team claw. <laughs> now, when it comes to insurance companies, you should you pick, pick a team. team federated. Yeah. Federated. Pick mutual a team insurance there. company. Because Federated is a supporter of the Mackie and Jeb with Rami show. So if you're a business owner out there and you're on the fence about which insurance company you should partner with, well, know a few different things. Know, number one, that when you partner with Federated, you're really partnering with Mackie and Jeb with Rami. Now, like, we're not gonna, we're not gonna be hands on with your insurance situation because that would be a disaster if you let us handle that. That's why Federated comes in with over a century of experience in making businesses as successful as they can be. You can find out a lot more about the industries Federated protects and you can find your marketing representative at federatedinsurance.com. Federated over a century of experience, like I said, in making businesses as successful as they can be. Just like Judd, over a century of experience in covering oh, professional that's funny football. Stuff. It's Federated Insurance, our business to protect yours. To Zilstra, 11-play drive. Corey Vedvik will come on to attempt the extra point. We've seen him do it all here tonight. And it's up and good. So Minnesota in the lead. We're going to get Judd's kicking battle insights, punting battle insights from U.S. Bank Stadium last magic. night. Magic. It was magical. Actually, what was magical, Mackie and Judd with Rami here, what was magical is Mike Zimmer using a seed bag that was to store his dip. And being covert on the sidelines? Not very covert. I mean, other than the dip being in a seed bag. It wasn't very covert at all. No, he didn't even like try to hide behind a fat offensive line assistant coach. Nobody or something. puts seeds in their mouth like that. Like if you're gonna <laughs> <laughs> Like nobody yeah, thinks, you don't like you don't like pack right, them you down don't in your lips. Jam seeds down into like your cheek or between your gums. That's not how seeds are eaten. <laughs> so here's my question for you guys. Mike Zimmer Thought he was being sneaky. All right, I just—it's a preseason game. I need a little—I need a little buzz in the second half. <laughs> just, the seeds aren't going to do it. Probably can't sneak a flask in, but maybe I could put a little. Just put it in a Gatorade bottle, right? Well, I'm sure that's. You think he really even cares? Little Jameson and ginger ale in a, in a Gatorade bottle. I'm not—I'm not sure he cares. What do you guys think is in my water bottle? Weekdays, four to six. <laughs> White claw. Yeah, well, exactly. White no beer, claw, no beer, because we all know you hate beer and only like white claw. I was clanking claws at my fantasy football option last night. Clanking claws with uh, Danny. At, well, Danny doesn't drink claws, but Declan Friday night we oh, went yeah. out for uh, Danny's birthday. For, I missed you guys. Sorry about that. Jenga and uh, white claws. Jenga and claws. Oh, man. Man. It was amazing. Yeah, Declan. Yeah, Declan for sure drinks white claws. Oh that yeah, makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I say that with all love as a man who lives the claw life himself. So you're, you're saying thanks, that, Michael McDonald. You're saying that uh, Danny Cunningham doesn't wrap his jaws around some claws. No, he doesn't. Okay. Danny's strictly uh, sprite and sprite and vodka. Okay, that's Danny's drink. <laughs> right. uh, Randy and Cottage Grove tweeted. I don't know if you guys saw this this morning. That hey, stop blaming Zim for sneaking a, a dip into a seed bag when he used to go to his ex-wife's family's house for Christmas. Uh-huh. He'd always have. A two-liter bottle of Coke, but with half of it being Jim Beam or Jack Daniels. <laughs> I would expect so. nothing less at the yeah. holiday time from Randy. Yeah. So what is, have you guys ever in your day tried to successfully or unsuccessfully 
sneak something into some place that wasn't is, supposed to be a there. Question. I think this is one of our cram session questions. Oh, I didn't even look yeah. at it yet. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. We're blowing it right now. Yeah. So like the second question. <laughs> <laughs> you put him on the rundown and didn't read him. <laughs> I, I cut and paste him. I didn't read him yet. <laughs> so we should probably not answer that right now. Stay right. tuned. Five we'll o'clock. hold that for 5 o'clock. 5 o'clock. I have actually... That's the tease. N- no kidding. I have a really good story around that. Okay. Really good story around that. I do as well. Okay. So here's my question about Sim. Judd's like, I don't sneak anything in. I just... Oh, no, no. I'm just I, frontal just about... No, in fact, my, my story involves uh, going to a Packers game in the 90s. Um, <laughs> I got a question about Zim, though. So he clearly he clearly didn't think that, that he would be caught by the Fox cameras dipping. But it was, as you both point out, in a sunflower seed bag. Do you think ownership told him not to chew? Because, like, why? Well, it's if, a, it's an NFL rule. Okay. Yeah. Okay, because if you're shown... Peterson used to dip on the sidelines yeah, all the time. But if you're shown on TV, it's obvious. Yeah. But if if you just think, well, I don't want to be spotted, like, by a fan or something, and you're, you're told, you're told, don't make it obvious. So you put it in a sunflower seed bag... Because no, like, was, why, uh, why would you do do that? But that makes sense. I was if reading this lead. morning. There's no okay. no what alcohol or tobacco allowed on the sidelines or in the okay. locker room within a certain amount of hours of a game. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, God forbid, in football, if he wanted to hide it, couldn't he just go into the like the medical tent that they pull over players? <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, cousins, you're injured. Get in there. I need to go in there for a second. You're right. Erect the tent. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> that could, that could mean something entirely different. Well, that's what you do, right? Do you not erect the tent? <laughs> Actually, he did after one of those fourth quarter stops. He definitely erected the tent oh, in some okay. way. I did so, not say that like that. So, so Jonathan, your strategy there was different. Like I thought you meant he would just go into the medical tent alone, but it makes I sense to that, force yeah. a player to go in. You so have it looks to, like yeah. he's taking care of a player. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, what did we learn last night uh, at U.S. Bank Stadium, Judd Zolgad? What What are the things? What mattered and what didn't? In the Vikings' second preseason game. Um, all right, so the there are basically no competitions left, aside from one thing, kicker and punter. And who's, who's going to, quote-unquote, trade for Laquan Treadwell? Well, we can talk about that. That was a great line. I love how Zinn, like, flat-out said, we, I guess we're we were showcasing, showcasing him. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the kicker and punter thing, though, is great. Zim gives zero crap. Because it all plays out, boys, on the sideline. Like, Bailey comes on and attempts and hits a field goal, and I think he made one extra point. Vedvik made an extra point. Vedvik punted. But the funniest thing was watching poor Vedvik on the sideline try to do everything. Yeah. Like, at one point, he's kicking into the net. At one point, he's punting. At one point, Matt Weil, like, came to the net and appeared to want to get some punting time. Vedvik was basically... There didn't move, and so Matt Weil had to go to the other net to punt in. But then, poor Matt Weil, I have no clue why this kid is still there, isn't brought into the game to punt until there's 16 seconds left, and they're just going to punt. But watching just like the moving parts on the sideline where Bailey's like taking Bailey's Bailey's trying to work on his kicking and with the long snapper and BB who's who's going to hold, and then the best part is after the game. Zim's asked how Vedvik did, and it'd be very easy to say, okay, you guys know exactly what we're doing here, right? Start the season. Bailey's going to kick field goals and extra points. Vedvik's going to punt. BB's going to hold. Vedvik's going to kick off, and if we have a 55-yard late field goal attempt or something, Vedvik's going to, to take that. This is the easiest thing in the history of things that you can do some deduction, but you, they still go with, the, well, we're not quite sure what we're doing here. Like we're still getting that. We're not. We we don't want to really tell you yet. And it's like just, just go ahead and tell us. I think we so. Know. How would you guys prioritize in terms of what you need out of your kicker? We make so much out of missed extra points, right? Because we had this epidemic here where Blair Walsh missed like seven. And it was four, it seven extra points. And four in the season. problem was that not field goals. Yep. But and 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 yes, extra points are the most annoying because that's the highest percentage. Even when they moved it back, it's still like a ninety to it's like a ninety percent success rate. I want that's to say one of those things you look at and you go, everybody should be able. Every professional kicker should be able to hit that ninety nine percent of the time. But the thing I'm most interested in, and it's not like you know, bombs. Like, can a guy make from beyond fifty plus yards? Well, that can be fleeting from year to year, and it can depend on conditions. And you might only get eight to ten of them in a full year, anyways. I want to know: Can you step up? 
and make 90-plus percent of field goals within, like, 45 yards. I don't want you missing a 36-yarder with the game on the line yeah. for three points. Right. That's that's what I would be most concerned about. So whoever they think from a kicking standpoint, I get there's a, there's a punting aspect to this too, but if they think Dan Bailey is going to make more kicks from 42 yards this season at a percentage rate than Vedvik, then that makes the decision easy for me. But I don't think they know what Dan Bailey is. I think they see Dan Bailey as the second best percentage kicker in NFL history until two years ago. And they're trying to figure out, is is that guy still in there? Or is he the 75% guy from the last two years? So, Bailey on Friday in practice. Missed three of six, okay? So, to me, the question comes back to this. How much importance do you put on practice? Bailey's made... Now, now he certainly was not perfect when he joined the Vikings last year. But throughout the course of his career... As you just said, he's been very good. So do you want to put a premium on, oh my gosh, at Egan, he has not kicked that well, or say, if he can make kicks in games, that's the important thing. I put stock into the misses in practice more than I put stock into the makes because it's such a low-pressure situation. Unless you're unless you're feeling the pressure right. of beat writers watching you and you know that it's going to get reported. Then here's my, but, next, but, here's my next question off of that. I understand that athletes... Like, if you're competing for an offensive line spot or a receiver spot, thrive on competition, right? Like, the more I can give you, the more that you say, oh, my gosh. And 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 almost in those situations, I, th- I think you can make a case, at least, that the person pressing is a good thing, improves them. I think when it comes to long snapper or kicker or punter, the more you press them, the worse they get. Which is an anti-football thing. Not for all of them. Anti-football thing, but... If Bailey is your guy, I say he's your guy. Just tell him you're our guy. And if it doesn't work, that's fine. You don't want any competition there for him? You don't think that's productive? I think it becomes less productive as you go through training camp, and now you bring a guy in, and he's going to compete with Bailey. I think there, that there is something to be said as at a kicker position where knowing your role helps you out. But see, I want to I, I, I go to... Okay, what moments do we need you the most? Fourth quarter, close game, you know, take Kai Forbath against the Saints in the playoff game from a couple years ago. And like, dude, we need you to nail this kick with millions of people watching and 70,000 fans on pins and needles right now. And, and literally, like, the whole game is on you right now until it went back and forth and then they had the Minneapolis Miracle, et cetera. And I would try, I know you can never simulate that in practice right. in Egan. But instead, like I, it's, I'm sort of talking out of both sides of my mouth because I want to set up an environment that makes those guys as comfortable as possible. But I want to, I want to strategically make them uncomfortable so I know how are they going to perform when it's the Packers and it's Monday night and you need this kick to tie the game with 15 seconds left. I totally get your point, but here, here's how, how I feel about kickers, especially. You should know or have to come to a conclusion about their mental toughness and strength. At some point, because I, I want to make them comfortable. But if if then, it, it's why after Blair Walsh missed in the playoff game, I thought he was done. Because he just had, didn't have the mental, the mentality or, or the strength. You could tell that this was going to come by, back continually to bite him in the butt. But if Dan Bailey's your guy, I think you go to him and say, we trust you. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But this whole thing now of Vedvik's doing this, and then Bailey's doing that, and then the poor punter gets lost in, in the shuffle. It feels like it's a very macho football mentality to positions that probably, I guess the best term would be, need more nuance to them. I don't mind introducing competition, and I, I think that, it, if anything, it should make Dan Bailey better. And if it doesn't, then it's probably best that he's not your kicker anymore anyways. I agree with what Phil is saying, that adding a little pressure to the mix in practice isn't the worst thing because kickers have to perform under pressure when it becomes real. The problem I have with this is, and maybe it is more clear behind closed doors, but it's hard to figure out from where we're sitting exactly what they're doing, why they brought in Vedvik, exactly whose job he's competing for, and where the other two guys stand. That 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 part of it, because I don't mind pressure, I think that can make a player better, and if it doesn't, like I said, that's probably not a guy you want anyways, but confusion doesn't help anybody. And this seems very confusing to me. I think after last night, it's very clear. Vedvik's the punter, the kickoff specialist, and if they have a long field goal, 
I don't know. That's the part of it that makes it. And confusing. my guess is, his and why was Dan Bailey holding kicks of all things when they first traded for Vedvik? Because Wiles supposedly cut his hand against the Saints and couldn't. Put, now the the only re, the only reason that I can come up with why Wiles still here is that he had cut his hand, and if they cut him, they, they've got to come to an injury settlement with him, so, and that so, by so punting, they're literally waiting for his hand to heal. Yes, so they can cut and him. by punting, and by <laughs> How's that scar looking. <laughs> oh, I don't know, and. Because he's, he's ripping it open every he day. He punted with 16 seconds left last night. My guess is he's healed and now can be let go. It just it feels it feels like this coaching staff really causes um, confusion about special teams, and I don't think that they they have their head around the best way to probably go about that area. As good as they are with defense, and Kubiak is going to be probably with offense. I think that there's some confusion about specialists. The fact that they were going to have a competition for the long snapper to me. No, that's all about rhythm and timing, and that guy has to work with with the holder as much as possible. Yeah, just pick one in May. Just exactly. Yeah, I, it, I'm with you on that. And, one. and that's fine if you pick them in May. That's fine. But the whole thing seemed odd to me. Yeah. Uh, the other thing from last night. I mean, there's a there's a bunch of stuff, but that Holton Hill hit last oh, night. Yeah. Of course, it was Holton Hill. As, as soon as that happens, <laughs> I'm like, wait a second. Oh, yeah, no, that's that's for sure Holton Hill. Um, is there a chance he could get suspended? Yes, he should be. So I'd if give a couple games. So if he were, let's say he were suspended, because it was that's one of the most malicious hits, and I get that he's his explanation is going to be, and Mike Zimmer kind of went over this after the game that well, when I went to make the hit, uh, I was aiming at the it. torso. You it's s- like either way, dude, you torpedoed the the crown of your helmet, yes. the exact thing that they've been telling guys not to do for almost probably almost ten years now, actually. But here's my question: If that dude gets suspended for a game, let's say, yeah, that just Dumb question. That just gets tacked on, right? Like that's just yeah, he's, now he's suspended for he's up to nine. nine games, right? Or ten. I'd give him two. Good God. That's one of the that's that's one that is the that hit could be the poster child for how not to hit a quarterback in two thousand nineteen. You Man, saw how frustrating in the that preseason. Why what in the preseason? I'd be done with it. I'd just be like, dude, you were you know what? You you've got talent and thanks for your help last year and you proved to be a nice player and we're just done. Actually at this point, I might fertilize this even more and, and water this talent. What would be the hitting for the cycle of NFL suspensions in one season? So PED suspension, uh recreational drug suspension, yep. illegal hit on a quarterback suspension. Let's right? get them up like, ten what years would the, what would the what would the fourth suspension be to hit for the cycle? Gamble on games. Gamble on games. Holton. Let's go down. <laughs> Holton can go, yeah. Holton can put all let, let all his cash right on the Vikings on all the games he's suspended for. The league can find out. He'll probably get a three-year uh, suspension. That's amazing. But after that, it'll be back. 651-646-8255 if you want to chime in. Mackie and Jeb with Rami. We're also regularly checking tweets during the show. Uh, and not during the show. We check them 24-7 pretty much. So at Phil I'm Mackey, always on Twitter. It's a problem. At Rami is tweeting if you want to catch Rami at like 3.30 in the morning. <laughs> at Jay Zolgad. It's uh, at Score North as well. S-K-O-R North. We've got more Vikings we can dive into. Cram session coming up. Uh, I know Rami in the hallway just found out about the Little Leaguer that high-fived a guy who hit a bomb off of him too. What you get to that. Oh, what I want to hear. Oh, I want to hear your reaction. What to is this. happening? What is it? Okay. Oh no, hold this. I'll, I'll save it. I want to hear this. Okay, save it. Four forty-two here at Score North. Time for the Score North download. Twins got four from four from the Rangers this last weekend. While the Indians they struggled against the Yankees, only getting two of four from them. The division lead for the Twins now up to two and a half in the American League Central. Does that make you feel any differently? It's a question we asked at the top of the show. So once the show is podcasted, you can go over to Score North on Twitter and down or scorenorth.com and download it. So do you feel any differently, Twins fans, after they got four from the Rangers to boost their lead to two and a half in the AL Central? That's been your Score North download. Now back to Mac and Judd with Rami. Thank you, Jonathan. Tweet coming in here. This DJ84. Tweets at Jay Zolget, at Phil Mackey, at Rami is tweeting, if you watch the Holton Hill hit, the quarterback slid very late. I don't think it was as bad as it looked, but here's, okay, but here's the thing. Like, first of all, it was, it, it, the hit was as bad as it looked because that was the hit. Like, the way the hit looked was what the, re- that's <laughs> the what result. the hit was. Like, yeah, the, the hit, result. The hit was what the, the hit was. <laughs> yeah, right. Scrambled eggs for brains. And, yep. but, the NFL is saying, so let's, let's, let's take your point and say, you're right. It was a late slide. In fact, Holt, if you go back and look at that again, Holton Hill I'm was watching it right now, actually. 
Okay, so can you can you tell us Holton Hill was already sort of in the process before the quarterback was he was and that's that's something I I always defend defenders for when they get these helmet to helmet hits when they've started the tackling process when a quarterback or whoever is already going down to the ground on their own but he's starting the process looking straight down at the ground correct that's the problem he's starting the tackling process yes before Paxton Lynch slides but he's doing it with terrible form with his head down and face mask going, looking directly at the ground. And that's what the NFL is saying. And I get some of this stuff, you know, we can get into the pass interference stuff. The NFL is trying to police things that are just, it's, it's, it's not possible to wrap your arms around some of this stuff. But the NFL is saying, we know there's going to be bang, bang plays where a quarterback starts his slide and a defender is already in the process of tackling. Therefore, don't ever lead with the crown of your helmet, period. And you can avoid situations like that last night. Right. The NFL is agreeing with you, uh, this DJ84 on Twitter, saying, yeah, it was a late slide. Doesn't mean that you should be aiming with that part of your body when you're tackling a guy. And Paxton Lynch is, is while sliding late, I guess my question as I go back and watch her right now is, with the way Holton Hill was going in, what was the end result going to be? Like, if he went down when he probably should have started to slide... He's still going in head first. Yeah, it's like the whole the, the crown whole, of the helmet is hitting him in the in the chest, probably the, instead of the. Uh, the point is is yes, protect the the offensive player and quarterback in particular. I get that, but it's also let's not have you get paralyzed. Right, you're defending Shazier, right, protecting these guys from themselves. Exactly, like Holton Hill. There, there's just as good a chance from the hit that Holton Hill made on Paxton Lynch, you guys, that Holton Hill does not get up. Like, there's no reason on earth to get paralyzed by that hit. Right. Agreed. And that's the problem. It's protection for both players. So I don't think that there's a defense here. And, um, man, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets at least one more game. Yeah. Uh, How do you guys feel after watching two weeks of preseason football about the ability to challenge pass interference? Go ahead, Ryan. I don't love it. And, but, because I lo- I actually do love it. I still so we can I'm still in out. I'm still in support of it. I don't I don't think it's a bad idea to include re- to include pass interference in the replay protocol. I'm all for it, and I wanted it. The more they can include in replay, I'm all for it. But there are going to be growing pains. There are going to be wrinkles in this thing that they have to work out. On Friday, I forget which game it was now, but Judd and I were talking about one of the preseason games that was played on Thursday night, where a coach challenged pass interference. And they didn't have a camera on the receiver. They didn't have a camera on the receiver when the pass interference was alleged. I don't know how that's possible. Pass interference can happen anywhere from the line of scrimmage to wherever the the receiver ends up. If you're going to have this system in place, if you're going to have this protocol, you got to have cameras looking at literally every inch of the field where where a player might be standing. So there there are going to be kinks and wrinkles and problems that you have to work out. But I think it's worth it if if we eventually get to the right place with interference replay. My frustration here goes back to what I've told you guys for years is my frustration with this league and the competition committee, which comes up with these rule changes in March when they are in places like, you know, gorgeous towns in California and Florida, and they're all drinking bubbly and they all think, let's put on the replay machine and see what we can change. Um, their heart is in the right place. I get that. But here's the problem. And and Zimmer talked about this post game last night because I said, are you concerned that especially in the first month or so, month plus, that this is going to decide some games and you don't know what the definition is? And he said, absolutely. So my problem is not that they've taken this step; it's that there is a lack of definition of what can be challenged or should be. And and the other play last night that stood out was there was a play in the end zone where the Seattle receiver clearly, as the uh, Sean Mannion pass was in the air, in fact, it was the pass before the pick six by Mannion, the Seattle defender grabbed the Vikings receiver. And I don't know if, if Mike didn't challenge it because he thought it was holding, which I think you can't challenge, or he said that he just w- was not clear. And that, to me, was a clear, challengeable play. Uh, the point being is, here's my conclusion. If I'm the league, I call every team today and hold a conference call and say, gentlemen, here's here's what you can do. I'm going to give you clarity. This is very simple. If it's not Ram Saints egregious, don't bother. Because we're not overturning questionable 50-50. Let's, let's replay that for a 19th time while the fans wait for a half hour for us to decide. 
if it's egregious, that ran the Rams Saints replay that that we would have seen and probably should have, right? Was an egregious non call. Mm-hmm. Like it was beyond a miss. Mm-hmm. It was atrocious. And, and to get that right, that's exact that that's awesome. But when Pete Carroll, come on, when Pete Carroll challenges Thielen on on what is a fight for for the ball, which you should have, that's ridiculous. I don't want that challenged ever again. So that's where okay, so I like I, there's going to be some growing pains here. This is a this is a monumental breakthrough for replay and a new line being drawn, and so there's there's going to be some awkward, uncomfortable adjustments here. But what you just said, I 100 percent agree with. It's less about the the kinks in reviewing pass interference are less about whether they should allow it or not. It's not like you're you're allowing unlimited challenges of pass interference because I think a lot of a lot of people who are on the anti challenge pass interference front are thinking, well, I mean. There could be pass interference on every play. We're just going to challenge every play. No, you still get three challenges. Unless I'm missing something, you still get three challenges. Mm-hmm. Well, two, and then a third one if you get the first two right. So you get two challenges, and one of them or all of them could be pass interference challenges if you want. Do you get the liberty to just ten times challenge pass interference just for the sake of it? No, so that it checks that box for me. But to me, it's on the referees to know where to draw the different lines. I'm with Judd. If there's something that at live speed was kind of, eh, I don't know, they were hand fighting a little bit and whatever, it was a 50-yard pass and uh, there was a little bit of contact, but I didn't see anything live. And then you go back and look at it on replay and it's like, eh, I mean, there's a little contact, but I'm not, I'm not throwing a flag on that. I don't think they should throw a flag. The biggest question I have is, because there's a line between holding and pass interference, and holding is not challengeable, but pass interference is. Correct. So you're telling me, let's say I'm watching, I'm Mike Zimmer, and I'm watching a defender literally holding the jersey of Adam Thielen Which we saw. in his arm, right? We saw last night, didn't we? But the ball hasn't left the quarterback's hand yet. And the ball goes up, and the holding stops. So, so now it's not both holding and or pass interference. The holding stops. And so you go to challenge, well, that's pass interference. And they go and challenge it. If the ball has left the quarterback's hand and the guy and the defender let let go of Adam Thielen, they can see that on replay, but they can't call it. Right? Correct. Am I right? Correct. That's amazing. That's, a whole That's amazing to me. Pi. Correct. So, like, I almost think they should have opened up for. Listen, if you're going to be able to challenge subjective officiating, not like did the ball come out or is that receiver inbounds, it's. How much contact is too much contact? You should almost open up for any but how subjective about this? challenge. Yeah, if you're not going to challenge holding, what's to stop me if I'm a DB from, if I know a guy beat me off the line just grabbing his jersey and trying to get away with it just and like I've had then. before? Right. Or not. Right. Because even if they look but at it on replay, but double my, jeopardy, I guess. My point is, I think it needs to be egregious. I think it needs to be, you missed that call so clearly everyone and their mother saw it. Not well. That was a it's a close call. Now, now here is the dynamic that that the league I'm sure has thought through, but it's going to get super dicey. Last two minutes, replay review triggered from the booth. Right, hail mary passes. What's going to happen? Hail mary passes Every inevitably have yeah. multiple. That was the first PIs. thing I thought of and brought up. And they talked about they talked about taking them out and saying you can't challenge those. But then they're like, well, we can't do that. But see, that's where we need. This is where. What's going to happen? I am all for in every sport, all for situational officiating. Let players, if it's borderline, let players decide at the end. And that, so Hail Marys are a great example. All right. If that ball goes up and it goes through the back of the end zone and, you know, there was some grabbing, but whatever, like it was a Hail Mary. But if I go now, if I'm forced to go back and look at that on replay and oh, my God, <laughs> I have to call this now. Like it, 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 and again, some people are anti-situational officiating. If you know Michael Jordan pushes off a little bit at the end of Game Six, well, I don't call that because it wasn't a push off. <laughs> <laughs> of course, I mean that's just the truth. You know, Ken Herbeck uh, decides to throw yeah, Ron Gant on first base just threw him right off. Series. Good old wrestling yeah. move by Ken. <laughs> but it does it does take away the ability if you're an official. And again, I'm fine with this. Officials can say, eh, it might have been a penalty, but nah. Didn't have an effect on the player. Just like, isn't the right time to step in as an official and decide a game in that moment. But Hail Marys are going to be a huge can of worms. I don't know what's going to happen. 
Can you can you pull the situational officiating? Can you go in, look at it, see that it's clearly pass interference, but that the whatever, like the ball was. But you're gonna get. But then you're gonna get torched, and I I don't know. Yeah, you probably can't do that. But hail marys always happen in the last two minutes of the clock, so that's gonna be up to a referee. So unless they see something egregious in live action, I don't think it'll be called to replay. Right? But, but you it's think a booth, so? right? So that. There's a spotter up there. Like, I think that guy's gonna have to be trained. Who? I mean, are you going let, to sell? Let, let them, hey, get, let them hey, fight a little bit. Hey, Dick, just don't. You saw nothing. Close yeah. your eyes on this play. Like, how are you gonna do that? Yeah, it's just it's you know it's tough because forever. This is I'm I'm reading a statement right now by the competition committee, and it says after the two minute warning of each half and during overtime, the replay official will stop the game to initiate a review for pass interference under stricter criteria than for other reviewable plays to prevent excessive game stoppages. Okay. So, so it is going to be up to the replay official, but it's going to have to, like I said, be something really egregious for them to, to conduct a replay for a Hail Mary. You know what's funny about the NFL, though? The NFL hates when you leave leeway for interpretation. Mm-hmm. Like That's why we we had so much hand-wringing over what's a catch and what's not. Well, it has to be clearly defined in the rule book. It can't just be, does it look like a catch? And can you read that that description again? Oh, shoot, what? I just closed it. But it was, well, to paraphrase, it was something like stricter criteria. So you're leaving it up to them to decide, well, what? where is the line? What criteria do we need? What is the criteria for overturning a call? Because for a I long time in that. the NFL, it's been, you must have irrefutable visual or video evidence. Uh, they will right? initiate a review for pass interference under stricter criteria than for other reviewable plays. So basically, whenever they feel like it. Basically, yeah. But is that if I if I grab a guy while the pass is in the air and I tackle him to the ground, that would trigger one? If he decides but if I grab his belt and like just hold his belt but don't throw him to the ground, that's the, not going to trigger it? It puts the power in the hands of the officials. I'm just, it's going to be interesting. It's also the first time in NFL history, and maybe even replay history, I'm trying to think across sports. I mean, most replay situations in sports are black and white. Is the ball out of bounds? Right. Did the ball pop out before That's a not knee, subjective right? Calls. Is it over the goal line? Yeah. Fair but, or foul, yes. You know, in the NBA, it's like, was his foot behind the line? Who touched the ball last? Not, was that a foul? Um, although they've done that a couple times, I feel like in Wolves games recently, like last year, I feel like there was a couple. Wolves and if games it's a hail like mary pass, a- are we going to look at everybody then? Because it's not thrown to one guy; it's thrown to a group of people standing trying to get position. Yeah. yeah. So are, are we like, well, there was no, there were no PIs on this play except for that one guy. He was grabbing the other guy. <laughs> but like I said to start this thing. While there will be growing pains there, and will come on here and say, "How did they miss that?" or "How? Why would they replay?" There will be mistakes made and 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 bumps along the road, but worth it, right? We all wanted this, did we not? I did. Oh, yes. After the Saints Rams game, there had to be some form. And did of we think that it would be perfect right out of the gates? No, exactly. No, but I wish it was written a little bit more clearly. I'm going to give the NFL some leeway on this. I we're, feel- we're hard on them when it comes to this type of stuff often, but I'm going to give them some leeway on this and give them some time to figure it out. I feel like this league, when it initially puts stuff in, doesn't really think through. Because, as I said, it's done in boardrooms with slow-mo. You know, hey, let's look at that again really slow. Um, the quarterback thing last year, right? Like, that was a month of unnecessary BS. Before they finally like, okay, let's just do this. You know, a guy, 75% of his weight landed right on the quarterback, so that's a penalty. But 72.3% of your weight, and you're fine. <laughs> yeah, are we going to have it, like... It got way too confusing and convoluted for no really good reason. You know, and now that we can track player movement so well in 2019, we probably can determine exactly what percentage of body weight landed <laughs> yeah. on that quarterback. Get the biomechanists on it. Sports science. Mecha- I don't know. Bio- Mechanics. Mechanics, right? Biomechanics. All right. I'm going to leave you guys alone. Biomechanists? Mechanists. I don't know. Mechanics. I don't know. I'm going to stop. Did you say a mechanic is coming? I give up. (laughs) I don't know either. Cram session's next.